Hello everyone and welcome to the Neutral Game Podcast. Uh, I'm your host Mio, aka Real Soviet Baron, with me is Colin. Hello. Hey. How's it going, Colin? Oh, you know, it's been a it's been a heck of a month uh, in so many ways. But I am excited to be here and talk about fighting games and talk about what fighting games meant in this month. Yeah. Well, do you know that this is our twelfth po- podcast, aka a year of neutral gaming? I that. I must have forgotten. Wow. All right. Yeah. So That's, uh, this has been going on for a year. Uh, I think to everyone's surprise, but thankfully we still have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I kind of figured we'd stop at like five or six, honestly. Yeah. But, yeah. Know. That was kind of my guess as well. But hey, surprises everywhere. Anyway, um, this month, uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, I did uh, the month of December, aka a month of fighting games, where I decided to. Stream a bunch of fighting games, um, not literally every day, but for most days of the month, uh, and around half an hour per game, and it ended up being around 80 games that I've covered, uh, which is probably more fighting games than I've played in a very long time. Yeah, it was it was a, a shitload, and I don't know, I like, coming in on some of the later days, I just, I guess I was... I was surprised at how well you handled it, because I would have been so burnt out pretty quickly on fighting games, especially bad 3D fighting games, which there are a lot of. Yeah, I have I have this, thankfully, this talent of being able to pick up fighting games fairly quickly, so even if I struggle, it's usually for 10 or 15 minutes, uh, save for a few very noteworthy exceptions. Uh, so it ended up being, you know, not just me mashing, but stuff actually being figured out. Um, so just to lay it out to people how this actually worked, um, I basically made a very long list of fighting games that I knew, and then, you know, shortened the list so I could actually fit it in a proper month. Um, I think it was a total of 22 days across the month. And then try to arrange those games in a way that uh, the day- days were at least somewhat uh, themed. So like, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, like Smash Clones, uh, licensed Arc System games, um, janky 3D fighters, stuff like that. And on average, we spent 30 minutes per game. I had Colin guests that you know helped with move lists and generally with commentary. Uh, you were also there on quite a few of them and also helped with multiplayer. And yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, so it was around half an hour for each game. The There were some exceptions where I went like as long as 40 minutes on some, and there were some where I just, you know, put a stop to it 15 minutes and due to various, various issues with said games. Did you have a lot of uh, technical trouble? I didn't seem to run into much when I was on, but... Um, the most technical trouble I've had was on something I expected, and that was, um, uh, Nintendo 64 emulation, which is why uh. I only had one Nintendo 64 game, because I, that somehow, like, you know, back when I emulated stuff frequently, which was, you know, 10 years ago, uh, PlayStation 2 emulation was this pipe dream that was unstable while N64 was really good, uh, with some mm. issues, Apparently, N64 emulation hasn't gotten that much better, really. Mm. Um, and I had a few technical issues with some games not being emulated properly, but those were really, really bad games, so it didn't matter. 
Um, but aside from that, it went pretty smoothly. Um, I, I think the biggest question mark for me were the old PC ports, since they played some very old PC ports of fighting games, like Guilty Gear X, or some doujin fighting games that were made for Windows XP specifically. Um, so that was a bit, took a bit of um, figuring out how to actually make that work on Windows 10. Yeah, it's it seems like the least fun part of all this is just compatibility and trying to get all the stuff to run. Um, yeah, some stuff took a few days and like testing it in advance to actually get right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's harder when you're dealing with a bunch of emulation too, because you know sometimes if you can just hook up an old machine that you know that usually consistently works, but emulation is a is a spotty whatever. Yeah, I think the only one. Uh, game that I couldn't get working um, that I had to skip was uh, Capcom vs. SNK2 because that was... Oh, right. I remember hearing... That's such a bummer. That is literally my favorite fighting game. Yeah, I was annoyed because I have the PS2 digital copy on um, my PlayStation 3 and Mm -hmm. I, like, PlayStation 3 games worked and the PlayStation 1 games I had on that worked, but the PlayStation 2 games were didn't have some proper settings, so only after the stream did I figure out why it wasn't working. But yeah. So maybe next year then? Next year, definitely. Alright. So one thing I wanted to just go over, because I'm not going to go like over the exact list of all the games I've played, you can find that on uh, my YouTube channel with like a specific playlist that has all the games listed. It's more like just want to talk overall about some noteworthy games and just general trends uh, we've noticed while playing. So one thing I wanted to go over was the biggest surprise, um, like in a good way. And to me, that was probably probably two games. I don't know, have you ever heard of Evil Zone for the PlayStation 1? No, I had not. Okay, so Evil Zone is, was something I thought was a janky anime fighter. And um, it turns out, it kind of is, but it's a very high-budget, janky PlayStation 1 fighter, so it has full voice acting and everything. Um, I can't remember the voice actor, but the guy who voiced the Colonel uh, in Metal Gear uh, also Mm. is in that. And all the characters in that game are basically anime stereotypes. So you have the mercenary with the big weapon, the... Tokusatsu Power Ranger character, the scary little ghost girl. Basically, if you took every anime genre and took the main characters and put them in the game, that's what Evil Zone is. And the thing that surprised me about that is that it only has two buttons, uh, aside from the directional buttons. It only has attack and guard. So what it actually does is, depending on the distance you're attacking from and the direction you're pressing when attacking, your character does a different thing. Um, and at first I thought, okay, this is going to be something super simple, um, you know, just no depth or something like that, but it ended up being actually really easy to get into, um, and kind of ended up being on my list of, hey, this is a fighting game I would recommend to people who don't play fighting games. Huh. That sounds pretty cool, actually. Yeah, so I would definitely recommend people who want something simple to check it out, because... 
you have agency in the input because it's based on your positioning and the directions you're pressing, but also you don't have to worry about, you know, a million buttons. Like, this is the first time I've seen a not NES fighting game that only uses two buttons proper. Mm-hmm. Probably the other surprise was uh, something that actually got recently released on Steam. Have you ever heard of the Umineko games? I have, yes. So... The Umineko games are visual, weird visual novels, um, which I don't know anything about, but uh, now I want to kind of get more into it. It's it's made by the same studio that did the Higurashi when they cry. Like it's a, it's a very weird, badly drawn visual novels that got weirdly popular and then remade with proper art. Um, I don't know the details, so I'm not going to talk about too much, but this is essentially a fighting game based on that visual novel. And it's a tag fighting game. Mm-hmm. Um, so how it works is um, you pick two characters, and the main thing about it is while you're building super meter, you're building super meter for the character that's tagged out. So if you want to use meter, and you use meter for not just supers, but the special installs, um, EX moves, uh, tag in attacks, all sorts of things. You 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 need to like regularly be switching characters. They have a shared health bar, but it ended up being very easy. Mechanic. Yeah, it ended up really interesting game too. And the the reason it surprised me is like this is pretty old as a fighting games go. I think I played this you know back in two thousand six or something like that or two thousand eight. Uh, but it got recently released on Steam, like the latest version of it. And I thought it wouldn't hold up, but that was a rather pleasant surprise. Yeah, that sounds really cool. It's interesting. I feel like a lot of the times these games that are based on visual novels, because they're not like, they don't have any gameplay mechanics that they really have to, you know, be loyal to, they get often really creative with the systems. I feel like that's, you know, that's the case with Melty Blood as well, for instance. Yeah, yeah. Um... It's it's really weird that a lot of these visual novel settings just somehow lend themselves well to fighting games, even if the actual characters you you pick in the game don't fight in the visual novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Yeah. Um. So that was pretty good. I definitely recommend. Uh, the the full name of the game is uh, Umineko Golden Golden Fantasia. So I would definitely recommend that. Um. And the inputs aren't too complicated. Um. I guess the the most complicated mechanic it has is this weird meta mode where you can al- your character can alter reality which basically just changes the background and then you can do very sp- like special super moves in that meta move and depending on I think which character you have you get another special bonus effect uh kind of like an arcana heart when you activate the arcana well I wasn't going to bring it up actually but that was your first time playing Arcana Heart, right? Was this these streams? Uh, second time, maybe. Okay, okay. How did you find it? Um, I think it was pretty good. I didn't think I did the proper justice on the stream because I didn't pick a character I meshed well, and that's definitely mm. a game where, like Blaze Blue, every character plays completely differently, and then when you also have the Arcana, which is like your god loadout which is basically an extra set of moves that you have um 
it it's just like very difficult to go in blind because you have to lock out with your character uh, picks, and I think it has like over twenty characters at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a game where you like. I'll play. You know, in most fighting games, I'll play most of the cast. I just screw around a lot. In Arcana Heart, I use a much smaller subset of the characters just because it's like that's that's a lot to swallow so yeah and it also has um a very different era game from most fighting games because it's i didn't play it like that but to me it felt like it was a floor the floor is lava game like you don't really spend that much time on the ground Mm -hmm. yeah i mean if you're if you're good um if you're bad like me you know yeah you'll be on the ground the ground is yeah the ground is ground I, but <laughs> yeah, the reason you're in the air, by the way, is about people listening, is you have a specific homing button where your character will basically fly towards the enemy. So if they're in the air, you press that button and you fly towards them to either continue combos, punish their air recovery, or, you know, just stay in the air. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, that was the latest version of it because uh, they had a Kickstarter recently, from where, uh, mm-hmm. which I backed, so this was, like the latest iteration with all the balance changes, but I don't think they added all the new characters yet that they promised, so... No, I think they added one character and one arcana. Yeah, I think so, too. It's definitely interesting. I don't think it'll be up my alley, but I think it's a fun game, regardless. What were your big uh, disappointments from the the months? Oh, boy. Um, So, one game I played before, which I remembered far as being far better than it was, uh, was a Toho fighting game called Scarlet Warrior Rhapsody, um, which it's basically a Toho fighting game, but with a weather and card gimmick. So um, depending on which weather is currently active, you have different properties. So like supers are leveled up or uh, everybody drains health when they deal damage, stuff like that. And uh, the card mechanic is along the lines of you have a deck for your character that you pre-make, that you make before the fight, like you make it make it in the options or the deck building menu, I can't remember. And then you use that deck for that character uh, to actually use your special moves or buff your character during the fight. I remember that being far more interesting than it actually was when I played it, because now when I played it, it just felt like it everything lasted too long. Like, we were playing for, I think, 15 minutes, and we thought our time was up because everything dragged so much. So that was probably one of the biggest. Um, But aside from that, the games I expected to like, I liked, and the games I didn't expect to like, I didn't. So it was more or less, Mm. I got what I expected. Do you think you would uh, change things up for... So one of the things you did is you had, like, themed days... You know, like, this day is going to be, like, you know, Dojin Fighters, or this this day is going to be, like, PS1 licensed 3D games, I think was one of them. You know, mm-hmm. um, do you think you would do that again, or do you want to, like, mix things up? Like, it, to me, from the outside, um, it felt like, and this is just a difference in our personalities, probably, but it's like, okay, well, some of these days are just going to be miserable, and I would want to have, like, little, like, days where you have two bad games, or games you think will be bad, and then one game you think is going to be a little better, sort of as a, a palate cleanser or something. Yeah, I, I I would definitely arrange the days so I don't have two days in a row of something really bad. Um, 
that's definitely a thing because I think later in the month I made the mistake of having a few consecutive days of things that just didn't work out. So that I would definitely change. I would also probably lower the amount of games per day by at least one. So it's like three games instead of four. Just so I could give myself time uh, to at least like practice the basics of the game. I don't like have to learn all the moves just to like find something so I can get into it right away. Yeah. Uh, that kind of got remedied because a lot of the people that were uh, in the call either had played the game or... Um, new moves uh, if the game didn't have a built-in move list. So they would like look up game facts and give me a move list so we could figure stuff out fairly quickly. But definitely a bit more prep time, which is a bit disheartening because I already had a lot of prep time for you know just making sure the games were compatible, like the old games or the emulated ones. So this would just basically be, okay, I have to do less games just so I can prepare better. Well, I think also another thing you could do is just... I mean, outsource some of it to, to the community, right? You could get, you know, a lot of the, the Discord members and some of the fans of this podcast and stuff to sort of help and just be like, hey, I know this game, here's some here's some stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, um, I did that with a few games, uh, but, you know, obviously that's going to be hard to do for something like Killing Zone for the PlayStation 1. I guess that's true. Um, but it did work out for the major games, though. Mm-hmm. One of the other interesting things, that, and this is sort of to be expected, I guess, but seeing some of the days where, like, like the one that stands out to me was actually the uh, second-to-last day where you did uh, religious games. You did an Ava fighting game, you did War Gods, and then you did Fight of Gods. Yeah. And there was this phenomenon where if we'd started with Fight of Gods, we probably would have been pretty mean to that game. But <laughs> in the context, given the acts it was following... It was it was such a delight to play this game where you were playing as like Santa and actually doing combos and beating up Jesus. Video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I think we actually did say that. And then you know there were these other days where when we did the Smash themed Smash clone themed game or platform fighter themed game, uh, we had that with PlayStation All Stars, which just which just made everything like terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems ending on a strong note is really important. Yeah, so definitely, like, the order in which... Unless it's, like, a series, so I'm playing, like, the last game in a series. Like, if it's just, you know, a random assortment of games, then, yeah, definitely the strongest act should probably be at the end. Mm-hmm. Which we kind of ended up messing up with the first day, because in the first day, um, I left... Uh, Evil Evil Zone was first, which was the strongest act, and then after that, everything was downhill, because I think the last game was Wu-Tang Shaolin style, which mm-hmm. just wasn't really that good. What? What? No. Um, yeah. <laughs> the soundtrack was good. So, uh, I had some questions, actually. I want to just talk about, like, this feels like... I'm, I'm sure there has been someone else who has streamed so many different fighting games in a short period of time, um, but not, like, a ton of them. And I, like... There's just some questions I have about, like, so for an example, like, what are the trends you noticed in sort of, like, how, like, okay, here's here's an example of one, right, just to set you down the path. You got a lot of double KOs. Like, what sort of situations kept popping up as you were playing all these different fighting games? Um, so the two other situations were a lot of KOs, double KOs, which was 
I have never had that many double KOs in like years of playing a single game, and then the I had a double KO in Guilty Gear X when I was demonstrating an instant kill uh, mid-match, and I had a double KO because I instant killed the CPU, but he hit me and we traded and he, that also killed me. I had never that, had that happen before, ever playing Guilty Gear, so that was the weirdest one. Um, the other trend was accidentally picking characters that had parries. Mm. Um <laughs> Which helped a lot, but not not as much against CPU, but it helped a lot. Um, but just sort of your brain got a, a sense for what, like, unconsciously knew what to look for in a character design to be like, this one must be the one with the parry. Yeah, I think that's what ended up happening. Um, other things that were weird, I it's very easy to hop between fighting games because a lot of their inputs are similar. So across all the games I've played. All the inputs were, were fairly similar. Like, okay, I've played, you know, I played two fighting games that I know I can figure out most inputs for most characters on my own. The only two exceptions were midway fighting games, so Mortal Kombat, War Gods, you know, stuff like that, and SNK games. Like SNK game, SNK inputs were ridiculous. Like some of when I looked up some of them, I was just like, okay, I. I wouldn't have figured this out on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's some of that old school thinking of like inputs as like a test or like a barrier to entry rather than like, you know, trying to define your intent. Yeah, and then just like reading um, Mortal Kombat 3 combo inputs where one of the combo inputs is the run button and just, you know, my, my head exploding at the thought. Like, oh yeah, you have to press the run, run button because he'll do a punch then. Yeah. That's uh, who, um, not how I would build a game. Yeah. But. Also, um, arcade games were far, far meaner than console games. Like every SNK game that was pre two thousands that I played the arcade version of, I I just got utterly destroyed by the AI. It was ridiculous. Like imagine like for every input I did. If there was only one possible reaction to that input that would beat it, the AI did it. Like, I in, in King of Fighters 94, I could barely beat uh, the first team. Um, in Samurai Showdown, so I played 1, uh, one 2, and 3, uh, the arcade versions. I got completely destroyed. It was ridiculous. Um, and then I played 5 which was the console version 5, and I had no issues. Hmm. So there was a lot of core munching there. Well, that makes me sort of wonder, like, as, as a, I mean, you didn't do it in a chronological order, but you did get to see a lot of fighting games across a lot of different, like, eras and time periods. And, like, how do you feel like things have changed as far as, like, like controls and AI and sort of, like, th- those those... I think the most strides have been made uh, in the AI department. Um, like, hmm. it feels like game like like it, for example, I think the most uh, the best one to look at was probably Mortal Kombat because that one stretches the longest because it went uh, f- like two, three, uh, Armageddon, and then nine and ten. Um, mm-hmm. And if you compare like those. Um, 
the AI is far more lenient, but the inputs still kind of remain the same in spirit, more or less. So, like, if you look at Mortal Kombat 9, it still has those scripted combos, like command combos, in addition to the regular combos. So it still carries that baggage from before. It still kind of handles similarly to Mortal Kombat 3, uh, whereas 10 handles similarly to Mortal Kombat 2. Uh, but other than that, like games seem to be fairly consistent in terms of feel. Like all the Guilty Gear games, they they feel like Guilty Gear. So the only like proper like, real improvements I see are either balance or uh, smaller systemic solutions being better. Uh, like mm-hmm. like refining mechanics, like like how Blaze Blue refined a lot of its mechanics, even though that was you know fairly recent like a series. And you know AI just. A lot of people think that good AI is smart AI, but that's not really true. Like, good AI is AI that seems smart, but gives the player enough opportunity so that the player feels smart. And I mm-hmm. think that's been a really big improvement recently, because now you can play a fighting game, and you know, okay, the AI is dumb, but at least you get to do cool stuff on the AI, which weren't opportunities you had in old fighting games as much. Yeah. One of the I that's kind of surprising to me. I expected to hear more about controls getting better because I feel like I don't know just what it has seemed like to me is that we've had a move towards like fighting games like like Marvel versus Capcom three and then also Infinite or like uh, Blaze Blue these games where you have like the concept of like light medium heavy special mm-hmm. where like the inputs make more sense and also I feel like I've noticed input code being a lot more forgiving over time like KOF. Those early games trying to get, like, I mean, basically anything out was a huge pain in the ass. And by the time you got to KOF 13, it was way nicer about all yeah. of that. But I mean, yeah, it is. Maybe I, it's spe- series specific. I don't know. Uh, no, no, I mean, it is right. Like, it, it does feel better to play, but it's still, like, like, to give an example, if your last Guilty Gear game was, you know, Guilty Gear for the PlayStation 1, and then you jumped into, I don't know, Guilty Gear XX, Axe and Core with the same character, it would still feel fairly similar. Like, there would be certain things like, oh, this move, you know, is is different, or he doesn't have these moves, but the actual feel of the game, it still feels the same. But yes, the input, the input code is obviously better. Um, the input buffering is better. But games that were already strict with their input, like, I haven't played it specifically, but... You know, Street Fighter V is still extremely strict compared to, you know, something like an Arc System Works game. All right. Interesting. That was at least just my impression of it. What was your favorite day of this whole thing? Um, Favorite day was probably uh, Blaze Blue Day, looking at it right now. Yeah, because it it felt like I knew the the most about what I was talking about. Oh, okay, that's why. Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, not not because I was there. Well, no, it's fine. Oh, well, you helped me prove how much I knew about the game. That's true. That's true. It was uh, I, th- that was that was my favorite day personally. Um, because it was nice to be able to just stream of consciousness about Blaze Blue's lore and how nonsense it is. Um, but beyond that, um, I actually liked uh the Marvel versus Capcom day more than I expected. That, uh, that's surprising. I think that's the one where I had one of the worst performances. Like, like me, like, playing the worst, because I'm not... 
I'm not a person who can wrap his head around that fast-paced tag team battle, like specifically uh, Marvel two and three. Yeah, it's just interesting because I've only ever seen, uh, like, I mean, Marvel two. Uh, I don't know, Marvel two. I've seen a lot of Marvel two. I like Marvel two a lot, and it's just nice to see it again. Uh, Marvel three is kind of a mess. Marvel Infinite, I've only ever seen at really high levels, and it was kind of nice to see a little bit lower down what the game might look like, because I just honestly had no idea what it would look like unless you were a pro, and that was really interesting. Yep, um, I, I, I maintain it's a good game, and I would rather play Infinite than 3 simply because I can wrap my head around it, but I still don't have that rotation of consistently rotating characters. Like I, I view assists more like a how I view them in Tech and Tag, like, more of this, like, you know, wrestling style, okay, now it's your turn to fight for a while. But actually how it seems to work in Infinite is you're just consistently rotating characters in and out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what day was the biggest bummer for you, then? Um, the plat- 2D platformer fire day. That was really bad. Man, man. you're going to have to tell me... You're going to have to tell me about Rivals of Aether. I wasn't there for that one, but I hear so many good things about Rivals of Aether, and it seems like you really hated that game. Yeah, that, so Brawlhalla, I could kind of figure out, and I got some online matches in, but Brawlhalla has a very key issue of the character silhouettes are all the same. Like, they're all... Like, imagine... They're not, they don't look like Funko Pops, but you know how, like, uniform Funko Pops are? Well, all yep. the characters in Brawlhalla are basically uniform. They all look fairly similar. They sometimes have similar color palettes. And I lost track of who I was quite a few times. And I wasn't, e- and then wasn't even like the same characters I was. We were playing in that match, so Jeez. that was a major turnoff for me. Um, Rivals of Aether, I, th- it's just way too finicky for me like i just completely couldn't wrap my head around it because i tried playing it online and then um i couldn't figure it out like i kept getting my you know ass handed to me then i went to training mode and that was the only game on stream that we went into training mode and that we actually couldn't figure out without it um and it felt really weird because i played smash 64 quite a lot and i've played a few matches of melee and brawl, like when I was visiting friends. And, you know, it's kind of like, you can figure out what you're meant to do, how you move, what's going on. But in Rivals of Aether, it just felt like, okay, I'm completely out of my league. Uh, These inputs aren't really giving me the results I'm expecting, because the characters all have very uh, gimmicky stuff. Like, Like, imagine, you know... Um, how in Blaze Blue, everybody has a different direction for their drive depending on where they are. Um, like how, how how one drive isn't the same across all characters. Well, that's kind of, kind of how it felt in Rivals of Aether. Like in Smash, I know if I press you know up and attack, I know the general arc of the attack. But in this one, it's, I I wasn't putting in properly or something else was wrong. And I also had a really big issue with the analog inputs because. I, I later, much later after the stream, I found that you could change this, but I couldn't figure it out while playing. Um, basically, by default, the game uses analog inputs. So if you slightly nudge your analog stick, um, 
you walk, and if you push it all the way, you run. But you have to decide that at the start of the movement because you can't go from nudge to push all the way. It won't transition. Um, It's a strange choice. Yeah, and like first off, just the fact that it's analog was really weird for me because I usually have analog movement in fighting games. Um, But it's also like the walking was too slow and the dashing was too fast, so I couldn't position myself in the game about positioning properly. Hmm. Um, And then there was PlayStation All-Stars, which was just a massive, massive... I'm not let down because nobody had good expectations. It was just like so bad because it had this in, it has this inherent design flaw of you hit people to build up meter so you can have a super, and the only way to get a point and kill someone is to hit them with a super. So the actual matches are really boring because the best strategy is to. Uh, hit someone, like KO them once or twice, and then just run away, because if they can't hit you, they can't build meter, and if they can't build meter, they can't do a super, and if they can't do a super, they'll never get a point. It was also interesting seeing some people try high-level play of that game when it came out, and like the tier list was like the most ironclad I've ever seen. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it came down to, like, can you combo into your level 1 super? You are top tier. Can you not? You are trash tier. Yep. No. It's like, it okay. was. It's it's a very very flawed game, and it's just flawed by design. I I don't think anyone should play it other than just to see what it's like. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, I definitely do want to give Rivals of Ether another shot because I feel like it just didn't understand the game. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was probably the worst thing. I didn't expect to do that badly. It sounds like the experience of like. And maybe this is a weird comparison, but it sounds like you're you're playing like you played a game and then you play another game in the same series, but it's like you missed a bunch of evolution, right? Like yeah. like they had a bunch of iteration and you just didn't see any of it. And it's obviously because Rivals of Aether doesn't have a prequel, that's not possible. It seems like if that happened, it happened internally. It just sounds like that experience of like the game developers are assuming you learned things from previous games or something that you did not. Yeah, that's how it felt. Um, I did have someone reach out and offer to help me with the game, so at least the community was nice about it. Um, so cool. I'll I'll give it a shot off stream and then maybe give it a second look on stream when I actually realize what I'm doing. Hmm. Okay. Cool. So I do have a couple more games I wanted to specifically ask about. Sure. Uh, so the uh, Fist of the North Star, North Star uh, Hokuto no Ken, uh, Arcasis game. Um, All I've ever seen is the crazy combos from that. Is it actually f- fun? Uh, yeah. Um, I didn't know how to do any of the broken stuff, but it was pretty fun to play. Um, just needed to find a proper character. Um, I'm mostly... I think it was a good idea to check it out because I'm really into Fist of the North Star. Um, and now the Arc System Works is doing uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, like, that Fist of the North Star game was kind of proof how good it will get. So just to give you an example of what exactly I'm talking about. So in the game, uh, Kenshiro, the main character, has this uh, move where... He hits your pressure points, and then you have three seconds to live. 
um, and in the game, those three seconds are like a timer of, you know, anime three seconds. It's not really three seconds, but it's going to be three seconds. It just goes down slowly. But the thing is, in the, in the manga, um, when he does that move against a specific villain, it doesn't actually work. Because that villain uh, was born uh, uh, with, uh, I don't know what the actual term for it is, but the disorder that inverts the side of your organs. Like, mm. basically, his heart is on the other side. And that doesn't work in the manga. And if you do it in the game on that character, so if you play as Kenshiro versus that character and you do that super, the timer still goes down. And when it goes down to zero, Kenshiro is like, like you hear his, you hear voice acting where he's surprised and the villain is just laughing because, you know, it didn't work in the anime, so it's not going to work in the game either. Huh. That's pretty cool. So it has these little, like, fan details and it's very much a game for fans. I don't think it's, but I, but from what I played it, it doesn't feel like it was broken by design. I feel like people just ended up breaking it very easily, and you know, Arxis was fine with that. Well, I mean, but it's not like a problem. Like the fact that you have this instant kill technique, and it just doesn't work on somebody, or is it just like it's like you know, it's it's like a a Guilty Gear instant kill, and if you're doing it, you're screwing around anyway. No, no, it's a regular super, it's not an instant kill. So that's because oh. because the, the three seconds last long enough that technically the opponent can kill you in that time, and if he kills you before the timer runs out, he still wins. Doesn't that seem like then it's... I mean, like that, you know, I could see a game where that's that's part of the balance concerns, and that's fine, but I could also see it being a situation where it's like all the the shout-outs to the show and, like, the, you know, matchup-specific stuff actually kind of breaks things. Uh, I think what actually breaks it is just... Like, the the, the frame data kind of breaks it because you can cancel things with meter. You can cancel basically spend meter to cancel moves into other moves. And I think, like, on a base level, on a design level, they didn't expect it to go out of hand that much. And it ended up just yeah. going out of hand that much. So, um, so if you're playing at like a normal level, like normal low level, you're ne- you'll never actually do the crazy infinite combos that people are actually doing that you see shared on Twitter or YouTube. Um, that's basically people just you know finding out all the glitches and the day the frame canceling and the weird things you can do with the inherent system and just breaking it. But I recommend checking it out. It does, like I said, it, sp- it inspires a lot of confidence for the upcoming Dragon Ball game because that means they, like, even back then in their licensed games, they put a lot of attention to you know fan details. Nice. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really cool, and I'm it does make me excited for uh for the DBZ fighting game. I'm not a big DBZ fan, but I've always had sort of a a respect from a distance, and I think I think this is this is my time to shine. Yeah. So. And by shine, I mean get bopped by random people online. The last game I wanted to talk about is actually a, a probably the most recent release that you played on your stream, I think, which is Fighting Layer EX Beta, right? Yeah, because it's not released, so technically it's the newest it can be. Um, it was really good. Um, I actually played it back-to-back with uh, uh, the original uh, Street Fighter EX game. Mm-hmm. Um and 
it basically plays similarly to it, but they increase the speed so it doesn't feel sluggish. Hmm. Um, I'm I'm pretty excited for it. So there were six characters. I only really played properly with one, which was Calomania, which is probably one of the best fighting of game characters. Um, it has two things that I really enjoyed. So it has this uh, Gogi system, um, which is uh, this deck of five slots, uh, which is your character loadout, so to say. And these slots can either have a passive thing or a um, special effect. So it can either be something that's plus five to attack, plus five to defense, plus five to speed, like 5%, 10%, something like that. Or it can be something like, oh, all your moves have super armor for a certain amount of time. And then how those things activate depend on each effect. So for example, if you hit somebody 10 times, then you will get the attack boost for the rest of the match. If you knock down somebody enough times, you will get this other effect. If you're grappled enough times, you will get this sort of effect. Um, so it doesn't seem like it'll be particularly balanced, um, (laughs) because, you know, giving a character that doesn't have super armor, super armor will probably get out of hand. Um, but it was really fun to play because in the situations where both characters had super armor and couldn't poke each other out, you basically just had two characters flailing at each other, glowing yellow from the armor effect and not being able to stop and just the health going down so it's pretty fun um but the other thing i really like was it probably has my new favorite simple input system uh from any fighting game i've seen um so how it does is it has two control schemes it has progressive which is the new control scheme and it has classic which is you know street fighter ex inputs now, how it works is um, each progressive input, each special, is assigned a direction plus uh, button. So it will be, you know, forward plus punch. But that might be, you know, uh, a dragon punch motion in the classic input. How they balance it, though, is if you're using classic inputs, you can essentially, you know, buffer those inputs while doing something else. So if I'm holding forward and dashing and I buffer when I'm punching, I buffer a dragon punch with classic input, I can do that. But if I'm doing progressive input, I can still do a dash and then that special move, but I have to let go. I have to go back to neutral and then press forward plus punch because it'll not register if, let's say, I'm holding forward and then press punch, the move won't come out. I actually have to let go of forward and then press forward and punch at the same time. So that kind of balances balances it out. Uh, so you're forgo- foregoing complicated motions for uh, stricter motions. That sounds pretty cool. Yep, uh, and I tested it thoroughly and it plays really well. So... I could still get out what I wanted at any time, so I could do you know, a dash into a special slide um, and things like that, and I didn't have to worry about um, which move I was trying to do, but I still felt like I had full control, so it's not like Blaze Blue stylish mode um, mm. where you have no idea, where I have no idea what's exactly coming out, or like uh, Killer Instinct's uh, auto combo 
which kind of feels like it's not teaching me anything, or rather, like, the game is making decisions for me. This is more along the lines of, I make decisions, and I have simpler inputs, but I still have rules for those inputs, so I'm not at a significant advantage from somebody else who's using Classic. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of changing the rules a little bit to yeah. be yeah. a little more approachable. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, so I'm very, very excited for it. So, any thoughts on what you want to try and do for next year? Um, do things different? Yeah, so I think for next year, I'm probably going to try and find a Sega Dreamcast or Saturn and stock up on some games. Uh, because uh, both Dreamcast and Saturn have a lot of good fighting games that are only on that platform uh, that I want to check out. And I do need to check out some uh, series that I haven't, um, like I haven't touched Street Fighter at all. So I'd like to check Mm -hmm. that out. Um, And I think there are a lot of like, at that point I'm going to have a lot of contemporary indie games. Um, So I think that's something I want to look at because um, I've also been looking at either um, uh, you know, full budget fighting games or doujin fighting games so like japanese indie games but i haven't looked at mm-hmm. proper western fighting games the only one i've well, indie games the only one i've looked at was dive kick um and i guess well fantasy, and strike. fantasy strike yeah and fantasy strike yeah so i want to look at those a bit more uh even if they're just you know demo versions or early beta versions or early access i want to highlight those and i also want to check out uh the King of Fighters Maximum Impact games, because I played Maximum Impact a lot. So, without blowing up your spot here or anything, there are some, like, some some ones that occurred to me, like, would be cool to see for next time. Like, it'd be cool to see some Soul Calibur, for instance. Yep, that's on the list. Um, it would be cool to see, I don't know if you're gonna count this one, but Lethal League? Uh, yep, that's that's one of the indie, Western indie games that I was thinking of doing as well. So, along those lines. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I could, I could just keep going naming games, but like, I think, I think, you know, it's exciting to think about what, what the potential is for next year. Um, there are a lot of fighting games out there. There's still plenty to play. Uh, yep, yep. There's still a lot of PlayStation One and Mega Drive stuff I haven't touched, but we'll see. Um, I'm definitely gonna do this because it was a lot of fun and people seem to really enjoy it. So, hey, both, both good reasons to do it more. Right, and any changes to the format or anything? Or you think you're just going to... This one worked well enough? You're just going to do the same basic thing again? Yep, just the same basic thing. And um, probably just less games per day, just to be better prepared. So we lose less on less time on faffing about. Sounds good. All right, well, I guess that's it for us here, right? Yep. Um, I hope you all have nice holidays and a new year. Thank you for listening. And thank you for listening for you know 12 episodes so far. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, a year of neutral game. Yep. And if you want to contact us, you can find us on Twitter. I am at MDKII. That's MDK Roman numeral two. And you, I'm, yeah, you, uh, I'm at six two six four. That's uh, written out as words, and it's also in the show notes. Yep. And you can check out our stuff either on uh, scanlinemedia.com. Is that a full website name? It is. Yes. yes. So you can check out. Uh, Colin's writings there, and that's also where you know this and other podcasts are hosted. Uh, you can check out my channel on YouTube, um, 
which will probably be supplied in some length somewhere. Um, and you can check me out on Twitch TV slash Real Soviet Bear, where I'll probably do more fighting games and non-fighting game stuff. All right. Well, well thanks so much, folks. Good night. Peace out.